The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves. <laughs> and Chris, and Chris, man, my boy Chris with the subway. Yeah. Chris, we're gonna have to hook up, man. I want to know why a subway. I want to know why. Why did you pick a subway? And for Lamont, I want to know how the heck did you break in to this, uh, you know, uh, you know like elderly homes? Because I've been trying to break into that, and ain't nothing but Jewish people, like you said, ain't nothing but Jewish people in that market. And I couldn't break into that market. I, I could just touch the hem of David's David, garment. Man, I want to give away a free house. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty thirty, I gotta give away a free house. You guys are too much, man. You guys don't put me from here to here now. I love it, and it, it's surrounding yourself with people like this. You know, surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you, people that you know that they can you know add you know to what you're doing. Uh, and I mean, I speak for myself. Y'all definitely added to what you know my mindset was. Uh, the thing that cost me the most was not learning leadership at the business level. Um, coming up, coming up in the church, learning how to lead in the church was vastly different than when I got into the marketplace. And that lack of understanding cost me. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even fathom how much money. And, and not dealing and addressing issues immediately with contractors that wouldn't show up, wouldn't, wouldn't finish the job, uh, <laughs> finance people that wouldn't call, wouldn't return calls, wouldn't return emails, and stretching out processes over time because I was emotionally unable or unavailable to deal with the inevitable confrontations that are going to come as the enemy tries to destroy your vision. And so uh, if, I, if I can encourage anybody while you're, while you're learning everything about your business, please learn leadership because you're going to need it because the entire formula for your success is based off of you. Nobody else, is ma nobody else matters. It's your business. God gave you the vision. And I want to say this because you made, you made mention of this earlier about Christians being allergic to wealth. You got to get around somebody that has a healthy doctrinal position so that they're not feeding yes, your soul stupidity. Yes, sir. Scripture says money answers all things. So <laughs> my primary drive is money for me is a tool. It helps me do the stuff that we're doing for the homeless. Because I can't be homeless and then putting somebody else in the house. Being able to develop the Entrepreneurship Academy. We're launching our first school this year in September. To be able to educate kids at grammar school through 12th grade in the stuff that I'm doing now. Had I had this... Somebody like these guys teaching me when I was in fourth and fifth grade, I'd be a billionaire now. So it's very important that we understand our leadership in the community because we got a lot of people that make a lot of money and they never come back and bring the next group up. Because if you're a millionaire by yourself or you're a billionaire by yourself, they're coming for you. So yeah. I'll just encourage you to learn leadership. So I mean, I like what David said. I like what David said, Rob. I mean, I mean, I don't know what your next question is, but uh, before anything else, I have to say this, man. Us being Christians, us being Christians, we should be the ones to make the most money. Let me tell you why. Because if I go into a room, right? I go into a room, right? Right? And I'm the only Christian in there, then I then I already got something 
I already got something that no one else in that room has. And that's the favor of the Lord. Yep. And with the favor of the Lord, that's the reason why we're called. You know what I'm saying? And we're not called, you know what I'm saying? We're not called to make a million, two million dollars. You know what I'm saying? You know, and to go squander it, to go. No, I mean, at least for me, I'm called to make money for a purpose, right? I'm called to make money right, so I can build the kingdom of God. That's the only reason why God's blessing me. I know that for me. God is blessing me so I can build his kingdom. That's the only reason why. That's the only reason why I'm being blessed, right? Is so that I can help build the kingdom of God. And when I tithe or when I give money, right? When I donate, man, that's the best feeling. I bought a Rolex before. This feels better than buying a Rolex. I'll tell you that right now. Tithing, giving, helping, seeing what God has done through me, that's better than buying a Rolex. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you that from experience. Amen. Isaiah 61 and 4 says, we shall rebuild the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. So I want to encourage Christian entrepreneurs to develop their plan for the city. So while you're building your business and you're giving to the church, please make an impact in the city because that's where the harvest is. Sure. These, these people in politics and these people who are in business who don't know the Lord, they need to know it. And so God is blessing us and elevating us financially so we can sit at those tables and become the influencers and the decision makers while at the same time rescuing the wealthy who don't know the Lord because they're not happy. I sit at tables with guys that work in banking, $100 million is passing through their hands a week and their son is dressed, I'm at this guy's house, his son is all in black and this is his son, black fingernails. He looks like Frankenstein, his wife is an alcoholic, his daughter is battling drug addiction. He would give anything to have the peace that we have. And we're looking at him, we're amazed because he's got a 250 foot yacht and he's got the 13,000 square foot mansion and the White Sox come over to his house for barbecue. And we're starstruck when really we are on an assignment to rescue a soul. And so that, that money is very important to us because it's gonna get us at a table where people who have means need Jesus too. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. That don't mean that they're gonna write us a check. That means when they get saved, their resource and their ability will come with them into the kingdom. So I'm no, done. It's definitely a vehicle. It's definitely the blessings that we have, the finance, the finances that we have. It's a vehicle, right? It's right. It's to take us to those places, right? It's to take us to those meetings. Uh, and it's, it's a vehicle. So when I first started making money, when I was really young, now it was a little bit more wild. Like I had more cars than I can drive. It was real dumb. But you know, but now that I'm older, now that I'm older, uh, you know, and I have kids, you know, it. I look at it differently. That money is a vehicle to get me at that seat. And what's that seat supposed to be for? For me to save souls. Because at the end of the day, if I'm the richest person in the cemetery, that don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing, right? Because I mean, I know I'm going to heaven, right? And I think the Lord's gonna come in 2020, right? So let's say come in 2020. <laughs> let's say the Lord comes in 2020, right? What's he going to tell me? Hey, Vic, I mean, sure, you bought all this stuff. You have the nice crib. Everything's fine. But who did you save? Who did you help? You know what I'm saying? Did you invest it back, right, into helping people? Or did you keep it all for yourself? And so, Rob, when you were saying, uh, you know, that it's harder for a camel to go through an eye of a needle, right, than a rich person to go to heaven, I think that that, I think that, that parable is for the, uh, uh, the greedy rich person, right? but not for the rich person that's a giver, right? Mm -hmm. The rich person that gives, the rich person that tithes. Yeah. Now, tithing Yo. is a whole other seminar. And I mean, I think we need to have another webinar about tithing 
Because for me, tithing is that key. Tithing is that key. When, when you look at Job, and, and I hate when Christians say this, when you look at Job, Job was the richest person on that side of earth that he lived in, based on what the scripture says. But the Bible also said that Job, and this came from God's mouth himself, he said, Job is, he said, have you considered my servant Job? He is careful not to offend me in any way. This is a wealthy guy. In his time, he probably would have had the 250-foot yacht. He would have had, you know, the 13,000-square-foot mm -hmm. um, mansion. But yet, even though he had the money, it didn't mean that he had to compromise. And a lot of times, um, uh, the, the, old, the old holiness movement, they steered us away from that. And, and I, I, I get that um, you cannot serve two gods. But just because I have something doesn't mean that I serve. I have to serve it. Just because I have a wife don't mean I got to serve my wife. I don't have to worship her. Just because I have a car don't mean I got to worship the car. Just because I got wealth doesn't mean that. Um, I'm going to say this and I'm done. Robert, uh, two years ago, what, no, 2017, Robert was at my, my conference. I wanted to be a preacher and, and all that, yada, yada, yada. And uh, <clears throat> um, that's what I grew up around. That's what I wanted to be, you know, praise the Lord. And I, that, that conference I had, I said, hey, um, I never forget it was half, it was half full, half empty. And I felt like I did a horrible job speaking and I felt like I was rejected by the city of Chicago. Um, I told God that day, I said, I'll never preach again. I'll never do any of that stuff. I don't want nothing to do with it. Um, I left Chicago, moved to Phoenix. And I was like a kid that uh, went to college for the first time. I started going to clubs and I started partying and I started drinking. I started having fun. That was what I was doing. And for a whole year, I was in rebellion. And I'll never forget, God said, hey, he said, your frustration is not with me. Your frustration is with yourself trying to force yourself on a group of people I never called you to. And in that process, God opened my eyes and showed me, hey, you're called to individuals within the hip hop movement. I ended up coming across uh, my friend, actually he owns two subways in LA and he is, uh, he was the childhood friend of Nipsey Hussle. And I'll never forget, it was December of 2018. And we were, he was showing me around and we were going over the plans that we were gonna do. We had um, a, a plans to have Nipsey Hussle do like music videos in our subway. So Nipsey wanted to be to uh, Subway what Rick Ross was to Wingstop or whatnot from a business standpoint. And uh, we was gonna target the hip hop millennials, uh, the hip hop millennials or whatnot. And I never forget, Holy Spirit was like, yo, pray with him. And this was with, with my friend. And that's the best friend in the episode. And I was like, no God, you know what I'm saying? They gonna look at me like I'm crazy. I don't wanna do it. And three months later, two weeks before we were supposed to meet Nipsey, Nipsey got shot. And I just felt convicted because I was like, yo, I was, you, you told me to pray for him and Nipsey. And I didn't do it. And it's not that I would have stopped my prayers, would have stopped anything or anything, but it was, hey, to whom much is given. I didn't put you in this position of an influence for you to compromise. And a lot of times, many of us as Christians, we don't know how to do both. We don't know how to be wealthy and be God-fearing individuals. So well, that's one of the things that cost me is 
not knowing one, how to separate the two, not knowing that there is a time for one and a time for other, and not knowing how to be politically correct with both, if that makes sense. I hear you. So, y'all, I'm 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 in shock. I'm 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 listening, um, and I, I hear that you guys are saying money comes with responsibility, but wealth comes with for a purpose, right? Wealth comes for a purpose, and I'm interested. My last question for you guys are: all of you have amazing stories of overcoming challenges and um, different obstacles in your own different lives. Um, how did you break, how does one break um, the poverty, impoverished or impoverished mindset that prohibits them from really being successful um, and potentially becoming wealthy? I mean, I think, I mean, I just think that from the Christian standpoint, I mean, I can't live in poverty as a Christian. I can't. I can't because back to the favor of the Lord. The Lord's favor is upon my life. And if I, not that I'm looking down on anybody that's Christian and in poverty, but I just feel like we have purpose in our life. I feel like there's purpose there. And so for me to sit around and do absolutely nothing and then still say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm still Christian, that's cool. But at the same time, I mean, I take it very serious that because I'm a child of the Lord, I mean, I have to get up. Saying, I have to do something. Saying, I have to make disciples of men. For example, my brother. My brother just got ordained as a pastor, right? So, uh, you know, that's his calling, right? So even though, you know, he may not make a million dollars, you know, being a pastor, but, you know, he's 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 in his calling you know what i'm saying i mean i was not called to be a pastor i was called to be a businessman but i'm doing what the lord has called me so i just think that i don't think that it's about money i think that it's more about walking in your calling you know what i'm saying walking in your calling and i think that if you walk in your calling you'll never fall into poverty if you're walking in your calling so i hear you um i i, I hear you a little bit i'm still trying to i don't know if i wholeheartedly agree and this is why, um, only because I, let's say there's people who are legitimate, they're saved, they love God, they just have a lack of access to information. They did, for instance, they don't have this webcast right now, so they don't know how to pull themselves. All they know is nine to five, they, you know, they, uh, they're nine to five, and they don't really have, quote unquote, the resources to pull themselves up out of poverty. Like, what are some of the challenges that we have to, or some of the mindset shifts that we have to kind of pivot, as you guys were talking about earlier, or overcome in order to, like you said, tap into that favor, Chris, and walk into um, the fullness of who we're supposed to be um, as people and as successful sons and daughters of God? Well, for me, as an apostle that's pastoring in Roseland, 58% unemployment, three-way gang war between the BDs, the GDs, and Latin Kings, um, object poverty everywhere. It's, it's about spiritual diet. Um, I have this, this phrase I use called uh, diet determines destiny. 
And so what you consume at the spiritual level is either going to alter you or it's going to keep you stuck. And so when we, when, when we came out of that 2007 prayer season with the word for dominion, it radically altered everything that I understood ministry to be. And so getting in, uh, back into entrepreneurship and not allowing the economic bust to frustrate me really helped me understand. So when we started going to Africa, we didn't go to Africa to preach, pray, prophesy, and cast out devils. We went over there to do solar power, fresh water. When we were in Haiti, we were doing fresh water wells, building houses, farms, ranches, addressing the natural needs that gave us the authority to then deal with the spiritual stuff. I believe that God is reforming the church and he's, he's really refining and defining us in a fresh way. And those of us who are called to the forefront of this cannot be afraid to say, it's okay for you to be a Christian and a billionaire. And it's okay for you to tithe from that billion dollars to disciple the nations. Because when we look at the scriptures, it says disciple nations, and nations are defined by their economic status, first world, second world, third world countries. How can you go to the prime minister of Ghana and you don't have it? It's just, they're looking for you to have it. And so when you step into that table with like Solomon, Solomon had the wisdom of God. So the queen Candace came from Ethiopia to see and we have to have churches that people can come and see. What we're doing in Roseland is we're trying to rebuild Roseland so people can say, hey, this is what the church does. They rebuild communities. They put single moms with kids in homes. They take guys that's been locked up in the penitentiary for 10 years and get out, and they put these guys in trade schools and they hire them to do construction. These guys are rebuilding the city. They're just not in a church shouting and dancing and rolling in the floor. They're building million dollar companies. They're putting moms and taking them and teaching them how to put their fashion out on Instagram and, and those kinds of things. That's ministry too. All of the apostles were small businessmen. None of these guys were preachers or prophets or, or Jewish rabbis. All these guys were fishermen and, and farmers. And I believe there is in that context of apostleship and that 12 are key to redeeming our time. Because where did the betrayal take place in Jesus' camp? It took place with Judas, who was the treasure. The betrayal took place around the money. And because we've embraced these poverty doctrines, that's why the church is in the place it is now where we're lacking influence politically, educationally, economically, and spiritually in this country. And I believe that God is going to use men of God just like this to bring the church back up. So that's deep. I, I believe that. Wow, that was powerful nuggets. <laughs> Man, I just, I mean, I'm, I, that is, that is like right on, man. I think for me, it's, it all, it all comes with uh, that transforming of your mind. Like, you know, my pastor down here in Detroit just says, uh, what's be, he says, what's rehearsing your hearing, it dominates your thinking. Yes. And so if you are continuously thinking about, I mean, at the top of my head, I'm thinking, you're somebody like, I, I want to, I'm on a keto's diet. I'm a keto's diet. But if you're somebody who's thinking, wealth and prosperity and kingdom business and king mindset is that you're rehearsing scriptures in your head continuously. You're talking about that. That is what is going to be produced, you know, and that, and, and for the shift for me was, you know, I, I think I called you when it happened that Robert, I was like, man, I, I'm at Dr. Bill Winston's church, you know, <laughs> Just, it, I mean, you, you can't, it shifted for me. I mean, he was, he was drilling it in, man. And he, 
he he said something. I was on a, like a private uh, webinar with him. He said, and I asked a question. He said, "Look, man, when the vision is clear, there is an acceleration of that vision." And 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 so that let me know I had to get my thinking. I had to clear my thoughts and make sure that you know this was God that I was that you know in this business and that things were aligned with His will and things like that. And so when you when you change your thinking, I eat, sleep, and drink healthcare administration. You can't tell me one thing about my business that I don't know. And if I don't, if I don't know it, I'm gonna find it out like tonight. I'm not going to sleep until I know it. And then for me, man, I tie every piece of every aspect of my business. I don't care if it's my executive summary, my marketing, whatever. I'm finding how that how my vision is aligning with the word of God because you can't go wrong. And and it's nothing wrong. I, I'm not gonna be ashamed about being a millennial and having multi-million dollars because at the end of the day. The money that I make, it's not me. I'm an owner with stewardship mentality. So yes. what God has given me is really for the kingdom because we are, we are as individual churches, we're not going to be able to run these churches and bring more people to the body of Christ off of $3 lines. That, that, that season is over. It, it's been over. You can't, we can't do it. There are trillions of dollars in the earth. When they say in Illinois or Michigan that the roads are bad, the church should be like, here's a check for a million dollars or two or three million dollars. We should be funding that. You know, our babies don't have books in these schools. No problem. Call this church. They're going to write you a check for three million dollars. All the kids get books. That should be us. Chris, you know, Subways. Hey, he's going to sponsor all this and that. He's a Christian and unashamedly. Don't forget about Vic. Vic Vic going to take all our kids, make sure all the grass is cut. (laughs) Okay, that's it. I'm going to build the crib and David's going to give it away. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and then he gonna educate all the children. His yeah. wife gonna teach all the kids. That's it. That's it, man. That's it. It's about the knowledge. I mean, I mean, honestly, like you said, Rob. I mean, it's it's about it's about breaking the the uh, the poverty mindset. How do we break the poverty mindset? I mean, you know, to break the poverty mindset is that you know you have to, you know, you have to surround yourself with people that are gonna elevate you. And like what Lamont said, you know, you have to continue to rehearse it in your mind over and over, yeah. you know, over and over. Uh, something that takes place here in Chicago with like the affordable housing and something that drives me nuts is like, let's say I got affordable housing, right? You know, I get of age. I could pass my affordable housing down to my son. For me, that's called the generational curse. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because, because affordable housing is supposed to only be for a season. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's supposed to be only for a season. You know, and the thing is that I get to pass it down to my son. Now I'm passing down that poverty mindset to him. Uh, so I mean, I think that having a mentor is really important. Uh, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to put myself in the place of a kid like in Rosen, a kid in Humble Park, right? That doesn't have those resources. And uh, as you guys keep talking, I'm gonna keep thinking about that, right? That kid that doesn't have the resources, how does he get out? You know, how does he get out of that mindset? How does he get out of that situation? Uh, I'm gonna keep thinking about that. You guys keep talking. I'm gonna keep thinking about that. Well, I, I'm, I'm a, go ahead. Go, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No. Um, go ahead. Why? I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. This is questions rhetorical, but why in the black church is it okay for us to all congregate, come together, pray, and ask God for for uh, miracle to be made? 
pertain to somebody lacking money for rent or for a bill, but it's not okay for us to ask God for wealth, for blessings, um, to enlarge our territory. So I feel like um, this, this is something that I've seen. Um, there was a mega church that's being built or that was being built at one point. Um, they're in the church now. And I thought that I was fascinated with the building and thought it was nice, you know, and it's a gorgeous facility. And I thought about it that a lot of times within um, the black church, we are we're specialists in the spiritual aspect of um, kingdom ministry, what we call kingdom ministry. Uh, we have the prophetic ministry, we have the evangelistic ministry, we have the apostolic ministry, we have the prayer ministry, the prayer and shut-ins ministry, but yet we don't cater to the whole man. So we don't have the entrepreneur's ministry. We don't have the science ministry. We don't have the political ministry, the politics ministry. Uh, we limit it to that. I feel like churches that build mega churches, or not just mega churches, but any church in general, should not only build a mega church, but they should also build a commercial plaza next to the, uh, the, 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 the mega church to employ the individuals that live within that community to be able to uh, um, create jobs. So I feel like we have an assignment not only to create jobs for in in intercessors in the church, but we should also have the responsibility of creating jobs on the natural um, aspect as well. That's just a little bit. One, two, you, you say this and that's I'm it. I'm going to tell you why that's not working. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, we have piss poor leadership in the church. Uh, okay. Most of the people who are calling themselves pastors and bishops and apostles, most of them have never sat in a class and been trained in anything. So they're regurgitating the false doctrine that their uncle from Mississippi gave them and they hoop and holler and scream and there's no real blueprint or concern for community transformation. I'm here in Chicago. I got invited to a meeting. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to say which the name of the church is. The guy who was over it, they were building a new church. Price tag, 25 million. It wound up being 43 million when they got done. They invite me to the meeting. I say, well, if you're going to spend 25 million on a new church, you could buy every vacant property in your community, rehab it and sell it, and create about $225 million in cash flow, pay your house off in cash, and still have money to build a school and job creation, entrepreneurship, and all of that kind of stuff. They laugh me out of the room. And so we're dealing with a, a poverty mentality that's at work in the leaders because they've never experienced the dimension that we live in. They know yeah. church, they know chicken dinners, they sell M&Ms and car washes. And when people like us come and we say, this is what God is saying now, to them it looks like a challenge when really it's a prophetic push to get you to the next level. And so that's <gasps> what people do. That's hey, why we're it at our hey, church because I got tired. David, I'm gonna need you to stop spitting that fire, David. I'm gonna need you to stop spitting that fire. I think, I, in, in addition to what you're saying, just to add on to what you're saying, David, um, 
I think that a lot of our leaders are in La La Land as well, that there is a great deception that is over our leaders. And what I mean by that, I had the opportunity to go on the Word Network, and I hope these people are not watching, God forbid. But I had the opportunity to go on the Word Network, and I made a comment live on TV, and I said, hey, yo, um, I feel like, you know, um, one of the things with the Black church is we don't, um, how can I say it? is we have an antiquated way of doing ministry. The way our ministry looked in 1960 is the same way it looks in 2019 at that particular time. And I said, one of the things I would like for the black church to start doing is for us to do as um, what the evangelicals do, the white evangelicals. They get money and they send lobbyists to DC and they lobby for the laws that affect them their churches, and their schools systems. We, I said that on national TV, somebody came, rebutted, and said, the church is in a great place, and there's no need for us to do anything like that. And I just said it now, I I didn't want to go back and forth on live TV, but it's that way and that mindset of, of doing ministry. You go even back further to the scripture, you looked at the way Peter did ministry in comparison to the way Paul did ministry. It didn't take but God one time to send Paul out to the Gentiles. God said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work of ministry. God had to go to Peter a few times when the sheep came down with the reptiles. He said, no unclean thing has ever touched my mouth. What God is doing is raising up businessmen who was like Paul. Paul was a businessman. He was a tent maker at day. Yes. Um, because he didn't want to be a burden on the saints of God. And he preached. No, he was a tent maker at night. And at, by day, he preached the gospel. So God is raising up individuals who are tent makers, modern day Pauls, who will be able to say, hey, yo, y'all can, you know, y'all can think that the reptiles are unclean all you want, but we, we'll take care of this for God. Yeah, absolutely. So, Rob, I asked, I asked my mentor, my biggest mentor, my dad, which is sitting next to me over here. Uh, right. How to get out of a, a poverty mindset. And he said very quick, he said, take responsibility for your own life. Mm. And I think that that, I think that that is, I think that that is powerful because that let's think about that little boy in Roseland, that little boy in Inglewood, that little boy in Humble Park, right. That doesn't have the resources. I think that it starts there. I mean, I think it's a bigger picture, but I think it starts there with taking responsibility for your own life. Think of my boy, Chris. He said two years ago, sleeping in a car, the youngest subway owner. I mean, if that ain't a testimony, I don't know what it is. When does the church return back to discipleship? Because we got these churches full of ignorant people. How can we even help them with anything? You, you're trying to convince people that they need to start a way, David, Rob. and they want welfare. It's like, come on. Um, I agree. No, David, I definitely agree. We, we got we got, at our church. We just graduated basic training class uh, last Sunday in December, and we just ordained 15 elders. You have to be trained. You have to spend time developing and training people. And this is what I'm talking about with piss poor leadership. Here in Chicago, we got more churches per square foot than any place on planet Earth, but yet we're getting 100 kids shot per week. And you go to 100 churches on a Sunday and ask them how are people being discipled in your church? 90 of them, 98 of them are going to say we don't have a discipleship curriculum. So what are people actually doing at church? What are they learning? What are they dancing, doing? shouting, singing, 
all of those things, but they're not teaching people how to be, they're not teaching me how to, they're not, they're not teaching anything. They're not, they're just not. If we are kings and priests, when do we spend some time teaching people about their kingship? Because we teach everybody about the priesthood, how to pray, prophesy, cast out devils, lay hands, shout, dance, pray, shout, roll in the floor. And then you get up and you're still broke. Your credit is 325. Wow. It's like we got we to gotta take some responsibility. And I really believe that this has to come from men because I believe the reason why we don't see men in church is because men are not going to come to a church and sit around and look around with a bunch of dumb people. We have logic. We want to get something accomplished. We want to get something done. I don't want to walk around and do victory laps around the church. When are we going to start buying some real estate? When are we going to create some wealth? When are we going to take some territory? Men are conquerors by nature. So if you don't have a military mindset in your church to take territory, you're just in an environment that won't even miss you when you're gone. Wow. No, Dave, I definitely hear what you're saying. I mean, there's, you know, there's people that are hurting out there, right? And I think that we need to heal them first, right? You know, before, you know, we start making disciples. Because, I mean, at least here in Humble Park, right? You know, at our church, you know, we name our, our, uh, our motto at our church, right, is a, is a church for the hurting, right? And I think that's where it starts because a lot of people are hurting, man, you know? And, I mean, Rob, I think that you could agree with this, Rob. A lot of people are hurting. And I think that we need to start healing people first, right? You know, before we start going to something else. Right? But I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's all in the same. Oh, no, for sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah. We need trained healers to go out. Because the problem is we ignorant people going out. We, we teach churches how to do evangelism, uh, Elder Marshall. We specifically tell them when you go out on the streets, we're in Inglewood. When you pray, pray with your eyes open. Please do not pray in tongues because these people don't know what you're doing. Here she comes. She grabs this guy's hand and she's looking at him. Lady, didn't we just say not to terrify these people? So people need to train. We're trying to lead them to Christ and we look like retards because we don't want to sit in a class for six weeks and learn how to function. The disciples spent three and a half years, 24 hours a day with Jesus. We're getting people four hours at the most per week, and there's no structures there. All of these men can tell you if anybody comes to work for them, there's an orientation, there is a training, and then you're allowed to work. You just don't, we just bring anybody in from anywhere and just throw them into ministry and say, go for it. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you what to do. No, you need to sit down. <laughs> you need to pass a course of action. You're a trained educator. You've got degrees that you had to get in order to work where you work. And in the church, you have a dream about a pig and some biking shorts. Now you put in the prophetic ministry. Like, come on, man. No, no. Sit down. <laughs> we don't need you. Oh, my. <laughs> we need somebody <laughs> that has some knowledge and some understanding and some wisdom and some skill and some ability. Come on, man. Let's go. All right, the mic just got dropped. Yeah, the mic got dropped. That's it. Yeah, the mic got dropped. Dave, what I say from the beginning, David? One of the smartest people up here, man. You dropping mics. <laughs> I just, I've been in the kingdom for 34 years, man. So I've seen the different levels of where we can go. And when you see the level of potential that we have that goes unrealized, because we, we shun the people that know, and we applaud the people that are ignorant. 
And we got to change the culture and the narrative of the church so that when people have knowledge, we applaud them and we put them in the right position. We got pastors in this city that are trying to have political discussions. You don't even know the Constitution. Sir, (laughs) go sit down. You're making us look (laughs) bad. Yeah. Let us not forget. Let us not forget to teach the next generation. Right? Like, this is my daughter here, right? You know. Let us not forget to teach the other generation. So, David, for That's sure, that. you have to spread that knowledge to the next generation. So, no, Rob, Rob, same thing. Chris, same that was thing, actually man. my next point, and I we got to wrap this thing. Up. Sure. Hey, it's good though. So, I have um, in all transparency, uh, I think David, I've been, and since we've gone down this road, I'm just go down here. I've been in ministry now for almost 20 some odd years myself, preaching, teaching, traveling from storefronts to mega ministries to, you know, different spaces. And I have felt, and this, this year is weird for me. It, this last year was different for me because, and I'm only going down this road because y'all took me here. Okay. I'm trying to stay as, as secular as I possibly can. But y'all take me here. So the Lord spoke to me the uh, last year and he showed me, well, he was speaking to me about five, six years ago about this shift. Um, and it was in Ephesians about how when the Jews um, and the gen- when the Gentiles started coming into the church um, and, um, and it was the Jews that got upset about this new move that was happening, uh, happening in Ephesus. And the Lord told me about six, seven years ago, that there will come a time where or that there's coming a time where people who don't want our, our doctrine, they don't want our rules, they don't want our regulations, they don't want any of this stuff. They want Jesus. And so anyway, last year, the Lord challenged me to start building this platform and to launch into this business, right? And so it was weird for me. And it is quite, it is quite challenging. And maybe you guys can speak to this. Because someone who loves the smell of church, who loves the taste of church, who loves the taste of tongues coming out of my mouth and the organs and the dramatics of, 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 of church and the drama of church, transitioning where, you know, I have to be obedient to the Lord and being in this space now where I'm dealing with men, first of all, that I never, ever imagined, never even thought that was never even in my mind. But now what I'm realizing, my purpose, my, not, not just my purpose, but my passion, my purpose, and finding a niche and a space where there is problems and becoming the solution, it's challenging. This is, this is a weird space for me to be in because- See how I had to navigate it. I had to allow the Holy Spirit to make me ambidextrous. When it's time for worship, I'm a worshiper. I can cry. I can scream. I can lay in the floor. I can give God everything, but that's not all that I am. Yeah. And what yeah. we've done is we've made the church one dimensional. Mm-hmm. All it is. And there's so much more that has to be done. And I gonna think I've it. had to learn how to do that. I've had to learn how to do that in my professional, uh, my profession okay. as an educator. But now I felt like, and I say that to say this, I said the models, I really believe what we are seeing demonstrated in a lot of churches, they're a form of godliness that God is not even really in anymore. It's remnants of the empowerment, the empowerment 
kind of dispensation empowerment season time. And now we're really moving into an hour or time of manifestation of, of, of the goal. Like, no, like this is a time where we know where you've been empowered. We've had the great ministries that have all been power gifts. And now it's time, it's the time for us to get up and go into different spheres and mountains of influence, whatever you want to call it, so that we can, so that the kingdom of God can be manifested within the world. Um, and this is, in this conversation, this dialogue, I said all that to say, it, this is all of what you're saying plays into that. And so it's in all transparency, um, if you have someone who's trying to transition into the world of business and into um, this space, um, what are some words that you would give them to encourage them to, to keep doing what they're doing? I said all that. I would just say do it. The quicker you do it, the, the quicker you can begin to embrace the weight of it. Sometimes we just overthink in the church. We're praying. We're waiting for a dove to sing Amazing Grace at 6.05 in the morning in our windowsill and all of that kind of stuff. And really, faith without works is dead. You're going to have to step fully into it, embrace it, and let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you to it. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to do it is if you do it. You can't build a business by faith. You got to build it by building it. You got to, that's the apostolic. You got to be a wise master builder. You got to put your hands to the plow and you got to move forward. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? I agree. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it's, it's funny when he said, just do it. That's the same thing that I was going to say is you have to step out there on faith and you just got to say, I'm doing it. Um, you're going to make some mistakes. There's going to be some things some hiccups that are going to go along the way, but you just got to step out there. I mean, even Robert, I was very proud of you when I saw, I mean, cause I've seen you, I've watched you when I was in Michigan. We didn't never talk. I had seen your marketing and flyers and things like that. And then, you know, I, I've kind of seen you evolve into the book now and things like that, but, but that's not really coming outside of yourself. It's you, it's, it's, it's you. It's just really putting that business aspect to it because not only is your book going to be to the, to the church, those who are saved, but you don't know how many people who are not saved are looking at that book and saying, just believe people get inspired by those type of titles. And you don't know who's going to pick up that book in the library, the coffee shop or, 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 you know, a Starbucks, you know, and just see it or like, Hey, here's a book. And then they get saved. So when that, all it, all it takes is one, one person to pick up the right person to pick up the book or, you know, whatever. And things could spiral for you. And, and in that marketplace ministry and that priest and kingdom mentality mixed. And next thing you know, you get, you're in, you're in front of millions of people and, so I would just say, just just do it and just go for it and just make it happen. Well, guys, we it sounds like we could keep going all night. I'm appreciative of all of you all. Um, please share with us um, where we can find you on social media, your hashtags, not your hashtags, your handles, I'm sorry, um, your handles so that people can follow you and continue to get your books, to get your products, to get your services to be in your daycare, to be, to get a free house. I want to shoot. <laughs> Dave, I want a free house, man. I want, I want a, a free house. I, I, yo, I want the, I want the, uh, the spicy Italian at Subway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Bologna cheese. 
just make sure you guys send all offerings to David Rod Apostle yes, David please. Rogers in <laughs> Roseland, Illinois. Uh, Illinois, yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh it was a pleasure being with you guys these past I mean, hey, this went on for a long time and it was great. I mean, you know, I uh, it's I learned a lot, man. Learned a lot, especially from my boy Dave. Dave, yeah. man, we gotta hook up. We gotta yeah, hook up, Dave, for sure. I I got, you're in Chicago. Material for you too, bro. I just got hey. one more. Y'all hook up. I I need to be there. I'm just saying. I know y'all got. I know. I'm getting to y'all's wealth, but I need to be in the room. That's I'm it. Cool. I'm gonna bring. Uh, I'm gonna bring the Godfather, my dad, that's sitting next to me here. He's the real wealth of knowledge. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna bring him down with us. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. There you go. All right, cool, cool. so Victor, really quick, where can we find your stuff? Where can we find information? What a website, uh, uh, something. I'm, I mean, I'm just a, just a normal guy. What's the name of your daycare? <laughs> oh, it's it's called the Jumpstart Early Learning Academy. Okay, Jumpstart Early Learning Academy. They yep. got a website. What's you know the website? Yeah, it's uh it's a j s e l a dot com. All right. Cool. Lamont, where can we find you? And you just start, you just wrote a book, Lamont. Tell them where your book is. The book, the, book is, the, book is <laughs> the book will be out at the end of the month on the 26th. I'm actually doing a, a book release here in Detroit at my church. I'm actually gonna be uh I'm actually gonna be the speaker for that day. So I'm excited about that. I have not spoke um in about four and a half, five years. God just put me in this place where he just kind of you know, shut me down and just kind of, you know, got me together. So my pastor is excited to allow me, and I'm excited that allowed to have the opportunity to share on the 27th. So it'll be on my social media. It'll probably be streaming live from my social media, but the book will be available on all media outlets. You so know, what's your social media? What's the name of the book? Lamont Jones. The book is called 32 Lessons for Living a Life of Purpose. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. I, the Lord spoke to me and told me to write it. I'm, I turned 32 on December 22nd, and wow. uh, so I wrote the book in 30 days. <laughs> wow. I wrote the book in 30 days. I'm excited. It's, it's got a lot of good nuggets in there, a lot of good nuggets in there. I can't get past the first chapter of mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lamont, hey, look, man, you know, so, so look, hey, this is how we do it. So, uh, Chris, call me, man. I, I, I might hook you up. Man. I might go ahead and write that book for you, man. <laughs> I need help, man. I need a ghostwriter, man. I, uh, I listen to audio books. I can't even read books no more, man. I don't even have time. I got to just listen audio to it. Oh, man. But, but hey, man, you know, send me that link for your book because I'm doing a marketplace conference here the last week in February to, okay. to a conference for pastors and bishops. And I, I want to sell that book, man. Hey, I'll come down there, man. Let's connect. Yes, sir. Okay. So, David, where can we find you? Where can we, where, where is your stuff located? Uh, Facebook is. Uh, uh, David A. Rogers, you can find me, um, or uh, Apostle Rogers, uh, facebook.com backslash Apostle Rogers, you can find me there. Apostle is uh, Apostle David dot Rogers. Uh, my website for my company is www.dominionvisionenterprises.com. So we're undergoing a facelift right now. So we got a new website coming out for this year. Uh, we're relaunching our credit repair company. So we got some new stuff that's coming through that with our affiliate program to help people build their credit in six months. And um, our Ezra project, which is our community development, um, you can find here on Facebook at the House of Prayer for All Nations Ministries. So uh, you punch in T-Hop Tribe after Facebook.com and you can find us and it will give you information on our Tie the Home program where we, for every 10 houses we sell, we give one away to the homeless. 
So we're out on uh, every other Friday, we're out uh, up under the tent city. Uh, we give out food, cocoa. So come hang out with us, man. I don't, I don't care how much money you make, you got to help people. So come on out and uh, rock with us, man. We're we trying to change this city. Chris, what's up? Where, we, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me um, at home with my dog here. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, a dog. That's a dog. <laughs> no, um, on a serious note, um, you can find me on um, in Atlanta. Um, in Atlanta at my subway store, 3162 Johnson Ferry Road, uh, Marietta, Georgia. Um, on Facebook, um, Chris Williams II. Um, Instagram is chriswilliams.ii, which is the second. Um, and my brother told me yesterday, he said, uh, as of a couple weeks ago, he typed me up on Google and you can find me on Google now. The I Am Man Podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves.